Chapter twenty three of Journey to the Center of the Earth. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Simon Wainwright. Journey to the Center of the Earth by Jules Verne. Chapter twenty three. Alone. It must in all truth be confessed, things as yet had gone well, and I should have acted in bad taste to have complained, if the true medium of our difficulties did not increase, it was within the range of possibility that we might ultimately reach the end of our journey. Then what glory would be ours? I began in the newly aroused ardor of my soul to speak enthusiastically to the professor. Well, was I serious? The whole state in which we existed was a mystery, and it was impossible to know whether or not I was earnest. For several days after our memorial halt, the slopes became more rapid. Some were even of a most frightful character, almost vertical, so that we were forever going down into the solid interior mass. During some days we actually descended a league and a half, even two leagues toward the center of the earth. The descents were sufficiently perilous and while we were engaged in them we learned fully to appreciate the marvelous coolness of our guide hands without him we should have been wholly lost the grave and impassable icelander devoted himself to us with the most incomprehensible sang freud and ease and thanks to him many a dangerous pass was got over where but for him we should inevitably have stuck fast his silence increased every day i think that we began to be influenced by this peculiar trait in his character it is certain that the inanimate objects by which you are surrounded have a direct action on the brain. It must be that a man who shuts himself up between four walls must lose the faculty of associating ideas and words. How many persons condemned to the horrors of solitary confinement have gone mad simply because the thinking faculties have lain dormant? During the two weeks that followed our last interesting conversation, there occurred nothing worthy of being especially recorded. I have, while writing these memoirs, taxed my memory in vain for one incident of travel during this peculiar period. But the next event to be related is terrible indeed. Its very memory, even now, makes my soul shudder and my blood run cold. 
it was on the seventh of august our constant and successive descents had taken us quite thirty leagues into the interior of the earth that is to say that there were above us thirty leagues nearly a hundred miles of rocks and oceans and continents and towns to say nothing of living inhabitants we were in a southeasterly direction about two hundred leagues from iceland now the memorial day the tunnel had begun to assume an almost horizontal course i was on this occasion walking in front my uncle had charge of one of rumakoff's coils i had possession of the other by means of its light i was busy examining the different layers of granite i was completely absorbed in my work suddenly halting and turning round i found that i was alone well thought i to myself i have certainly been walking too fast or else hans and my uncle have stopped to rest the best thing i can do is to go back and find them luckily there is very little ascent to tire me i accordingly retraced my steps and while doing so walked for at least a quarter of an hour rather uneasy i paused and looked eagerly around not a living soul i called aloud no reply my voice was lost amid the myriad cavernous echoes it aroused i began for the first time to feel seriously uneasy a cold shiver shook my whole body and perspiration chill and terrible burst upon my skin i must be calm i said speaking aloud as boys whistle to drive away fear there can be no doubt that i shall find my companions there cannot be two roads it is certain that i was considerably ahead all i have to do is to go back Having come to this determination, I ascended the tunnel for at least half an hour, unable to decide if I had ever seen certain landmarks before. Every now and then I paused to discover if any loud appeal was made to me, well knowing that in that dense and intensified atmosphere I should hear it a long way off. But no the most extraordinary silence reigned in this immense gallery only the echoes of my own footsteps could be heard at last i stopped i could scarcely realize the fact of my isolation i was quite willing to think that i had made a mistake but not that i was lost if i had made a mistake i might find my way if lost i shuddered to think of it come come said i to myself since there is only one road and they must come by it we shall at last meet all i have to do is still go upwards perhaps however not seeing me 
and forgetting I was ahead, they may have gone back in search of me. Still, even in this case, if I make haste, I shall get up to them. There can be no doubt about the matter. But, as I spoke these last words aloud, it would have been quite clear to any listener, had there been one, that I was by no means convinced of the fact. Moreover, in order to associate together these simple ideas and to reunite them under the form of reasoning required some time, I could not at all once bring my brain to think. Then another dread doubt fell upon my soul. After all, was I ahead? Of course I was. Hans was no doubt following behind, preceded by my uncle. I perfectly recollected his having stopped for a moment to strap his baggage to his shoulder. I now remembered this trifling detail. It was, I believe, just at that very moment that I had determined to continue my route. Again, thought I, reasoning as calmly as possible, there is another sure means of not losing my way, a thread to guide me through the labyrinth subterraneous retreat, one which I had forgotten, my faithful river. This course of reasoning roused my drooping spirits, and I resolved to resume my journey without further delay. No time was to be lost. It was at this moment that I had reason to bless the thoughtfulness of my uncle when he refused to allow the eider hunter to close the orifices of the hot spring, that small fissure in the great mass of granite. This beneficent spring after having saved us from thirst during so many days, would now enable me to regain the right road. Having come to this mental decision, I made up my mind before I started upwards that ablution would certainly do me a great deal of good. I stopped to plunge my hands and forehead in the pleasant water of the Hansbach stream, blessing its presence as a certain consolation. Conceive my horror and stupefaction. I was treading a hard, dusty, shingly road of granite. The stream on which I reckoned had wholly disappeared. End of chapter 23 Recording by Simon Wainwright